Welcome to the latest episode of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. My name is Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. Coming up, we've got a special appearance from Wayne Brooks, the voice of rodeo in the Western U.S. And he was kind enough to take out a lot of his time and talk about his travels and his adventures and everything that he's seen as he's made his way around the country. And it's a super interesting conversation and a, an interesting time for rodeo as a whole because it's such a quintessential part of summer life here in Montana. It absolutely is. And uh, there's a period of time there that it's already passed us, but it's called uh, Cowboy Christmas. And it's a reason to be, it's, there's so much rodeo going on in this state and beyond that is the peak of the summer. And uh, now, as Wayne will talk about a little bit later on, they're headed towards uh, NFR and all that. So, uh, it wouldn't be Montana or summer without rodeo. No, it wouldn't. And uh, that also means that summer is coming to a close. It's August. That hurts my head. Uh, and that means we're going to be running headlong into things like football and hunting season. And uh, we're hoping with this show uh, to get some of that going because you're finding yourself right in my wheelhouse. Uh, dark beer and football season <laughs> and hunting. Fall is my absolute favorite time in montana it's not particularly close i think if you took a poll of uh of montanans uh, especially uh guys in montana that fall would be the season it has to and be. september would probably be the month that uh, most people have as their favorite on the calendar and you've got the beginning of football season college uh, football huge in this state grizzlies bobcats and uh also, hunting season starts at the same time, so it's a really exciting time of year. Plus, temperatures cool off a little bit. Everybody gets to get outside and do the stuff they love in nice temperatures. So, I know if you're a fisherman, you're probably like, eh, I like summer, I like fishing then, but you're... You can keep you fishing in the you fall. You can keep fishing in the, ball and you, in the fall, and you can't beat the time of year when it starts to get into and, uh, from summer to fall. No, you really can't, and um, the seasons this year, we've talked about it on this show a bunch, they've been weird. Uh, we had in June we had a failure to launch on summertime, and then summer came in in spades mm -hmm. in July, and uh, here we are in August, and it's it's plenty summertime. I am personally hoping that September first. All right, knock it off. I'm not gonna <laughs> get my wish. We're gonna be hunting in tank tops and shorts, um, uh. but it's the best time of year. I, I just don't I don't know that there's even um. I, I don't. I don't even know that there's a there's a close comparison. No, I don't. I don't either. And uh, you know, this time of year when you're you're so excited about that time of year, the preparation for it's almost as good as it is anyway. Getting all your gear ready, going out and shooting, and uh, getting ready for everybody's hopeful for football season. Those two things to me, right there, combined. That's why I love the time of year. And and so as we come out of summer, this is really exciting. And as far as the podcast goes, we've got great guests in those areas coming up. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some football for you next week. Obviously, Montana State Bobcat fans had themselves a season yeah, they did. last year until they ran into the wood chipper that is the North Dakota State. Oh, Bison. boy, they're gonna be happy next week when we talk to this guest. NDSU, man, that was yep. that was tough, but a great season, and they got a quarterback coming back to doing all the things. So all of that is coming up because fall is on the way, man, and nobody here. Uh, likes it more than the two of us, so we're going to try to bring you as much of that as we can. In the meantime, we're hanging on to summer, and it is time to welcome our guest Wayne Brooks into this thing because nothing says summer quite like rodeo. Sir, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Good morning. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. We never get this much time with you. We've been uh, Scott and I have known you for a long time, a long lot of years. Time. You bet. You bet. Um, as you come through Montana with the rodeo circuit, and it's uh, I appreciate you taking the time because I know. Uh, during rodeo weekends as you're here in town right now we got you we captured you and we got you for this time i you appreciate bet. it you bet glad to be here glad to be here thanks for having me how are you in 2022 oh great my gosh i was uh building fence and digging post holes in 2020 
in Texas in the summertime. Oh, so oh, this is a this is a nice place to be back to back to traveling <laughs> back to business. Shawshanked your way out of yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, so it was no fun during the pandemic, but it makes you appreciate things a little bit more than uh, we used to. You know, we took a lot of that stuff for granted that uh, we're going to be in the cool country and celebrating some great places like this and some great rodeos and uh, being part of the history and tradition of these rodeos that are 60 70 80 100 years old and in good weather and with good people and and loving what we do a passion for what we do is a big part of it well and are they in good standing because i know that was a concern with the entire and you start talking about 100 year old events and some of them were at very real risk of going away absolutely Uh, the the biggest thing that we ran into uh coming out of the pandemic is the rodeos that have overhead lots of rodeos took three four five hundred thousand dollars a year just to keep their head above water so they had to turn to some other events where they were uh, sensitive to the pandemic where they had uh, play, things that people could stay in their car right drive in movie theaters mm-hmm. uh, concerts a drive through christmas light situation and things like that just to make a few bucks to help keep their head above water so one of the locations that we went to in 21 with a 20 or 30 percent limited capacity because of the covid uh, San Antonio, they were either going to lose $5 million if they put it on for 21 performances or lose $9 million if they didn't put it on. So, I mean, there's there's kind of – and that's a huge event, huge rodeo, huge town of over a million people. But uh, that that's one end of the spectrum. That's 180 degrees to the far end of the spectrum. Right. But, uh, yeah, crawling out of it now, and every, everybody's just happy we're back in business. And I think the mentality – uh, whether you're in Alberta or the United States, because we're kind of very similar up in that neighborhood, of the people today is I'm going to get out. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go where I want. I'm going to see what I want. And I don't care what it costs or how much time it takes. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think that mentality is alive and well today, more so than ever before. And, and a lot of that, so you're talking about the business and industry aspect of rodeo with the pandemic happening. But what about the personal aspect? I mean, this is a family. <clears throat> Any anytime you go to a rodeo, whether it be from Florida to Montana and everywhere in between, you see people that you know. You'd see people like I mean, you connect with us once a year. I'm sure there's lots of those people you connect with once a year. But there's also people you see uh, multiple times a week or multiple. times times a year what was it like to be out of that loop that that's got to be completely foreign to a guy like you's been in it for so long you know i'll bet my my cell phone numbers of airtime minutes went up times three mm-hmm. during 2020 and 2021 because of that because of that factor right there you know two or three i miss weeks, you guys yeah two or three <laughs> weeks to go by and hello i should be at xyz location yeah. doing this right now this weekend and those are the ones inevitably I'd hear from and say, hey, where are you at? What are you doing? What's going on? And we're sitting here in the house instead of having a rodeo. So checking on you. Yeah. A lot of that happened. But it was cool. It's, it's nice to have that uh, repertoire with your, your people that you work with day in and day out. And, you know, let me say this. This is such a true factor and huge in our industry. The number one most important group of people in the rodeo business is the volunteers. If you had to pay everybody that took a ticket, parked a car, or sold a Coke, you couldn't afford it. We could not put this event on. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, when it's over, you're not going to have X amount of dollars left over to put back into the community. Typically, it goes hand in hand. If you pay out 80000 a lot of events will put 60000 70000 80000 back into the community. Uh, those big Texas rodeos in the wintertime, San Antonio, Houston, Austin, San Angelo, if they can end up with 2 or $3 million at the end of the whole program, 
and give away a hundred five thousand dollars scholarships at the end of the deal that's the goal that's what they want to do and, and the volunteers make that possible whether you have 20 volunteers or five thousand doesn't matter those volunteers are crucial and we couldn't do it without and those people do it because they love it oh yeah oh yeah and so many of them benefited themselves mm-hmm. 20 years ago with sure. a scholarship that helped them get through college that helped them pay for everything and so did their kids and their grandkids so that's why those uh volunteers keep coming and we're glad that they are mm-hmm. curious with all the traveling you're doing now that we are kind of back to whatever normal means how are the people because there's a level of shell shock that when I'm with every community, uh, small towns in Montana, big cities across the country, mm-hmm. everybody kind of came out like, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I know I've experienced it on a much smaller scale that people are different. They're a little more cautious, a little standoffish, even here in Montana. And you're traveling all over the country um, in some places that you've been before. Is it different? Or are the people ready to go and open arms? I, I think in our industry, and it may be different in a lot of other industries, in our industry, they're ready to go. Open arms, let's go. It doesn't matter. We were doing uh, county COVID testing in Reno, Nevada, uh, here in the last two weeks of June. And I think in order for them to go on with a full-size crowd and no stipulations on the numbers or anything that they did, the county said, we're going to come in and test X amount of people today of your volunteers and your contract personnel and the TV people and you know just people that are surrounding the event. And I think, you know, after 10 days, by the time it was over, we lost 45 or 50 people that, you know, you just turn around and say, hey, where's Bob? Hell, he didn't show up today. I probably know where he's at. Mm-hmm. So uh, when that happened, it was not a surprise. And people went, eh, it's okay. Move on. Yeah, we'll make it. Let's Good. keep going. Now, Wayne goes back uh, to Montana roots. Uh, I know you traveled quite a bit as a kid. You ended up uh, graduating, I believe, from Billing Central. Uh, and uh, where, where, at what point, so... Um, when did you fall in love with rodeo? Rodeo is the easiest thing to fall in love with, by the way. Whether you're a contestant, an audience member, or you're a guy like us who gets to go back and do something behind the shoots once in a while and in the arena, you absolutely are going to fall in love with it. But when did you did you grow up with it? Were your parents in it? Um, did you was there a point where you were like, I have got to find a way to do this for the rest of my life? You know, uh, my dad did ride some bucking horses a little bit, not too much, but uh, as a kid, I think I was the typical Western kid. Uh, sitting there on Sunday nights watching Mutual of Omaha and then the John Wayne movie that followed it every day or every weekend. So as a kid, I think uh, you connect with that uh, Wild West passion of wanting to be independent and free and riding a horse fast and and getting the girl at the end of the movie. And I think all that kind of builds up. And then by the time you're a young man and you see there's a, there's a do- there's an open door, there's a possibility, there's a chance I could get into this as a 16 17 18 year old and say gosh i think i could try this i think i'd like to give it a whirl and then once you do you're bit you're snake bit you're done i mean it's just something you gotta pursue and and be part of because it's so cool it's so big it's a big big thing and you know nobody gets rich or famous in our game but creating that love affair with uh the west it's a big deal there's also the not so small fact that with your pipes, if you had gone into anything other than announcing, you'd be wasting an asset. <laughs> I've been doing radio for 25 years. I sound like this. <laughs> it's not great. And with that buttery baritone of yours, how many other choices did you have? Gosh, yeah. Who knows that that? Who knew that that was going to be part of the factor? I uh, just assume you hit puberty at like nine. <laughs> 
you know it's a weird deal uh my dad all my uncles my grandpa everybody had the same voice so just fell into it never had any idea that it would be worth anything at all but there you uh, go. it turned turned out to be pretty good <laughs> that's your well, ticket <laughs> many of the people around rodeo wanted to be you know rodeo stars riding something roping something and uh you know some of them just didn't have it uh some some did and you you can reach different levels of that of course but there you know rodeo announcer to me is that's that's second like uh, if i was to choose uh, that would be i've always i've met a, i've met you know i met bob tallman i had to sure. bob tallman come into studio and billings he's coming for your job there's there's <laughs> oh, oh i've done it it's not easy to do they make it look easy it's not uh rasmussen will rasmussen does a great job these guys you are at the, at the pinnacle they're on the mount rushmore and and it it it's just not a rodeo without those voices it, it just uh, you know and and the style and the, the how smooth you guys do it we do this silly little thing with the mutton busting once a year and and it just illustrates to me every time on it's just not an easy thing to do but uh to me that is the that's second tier uh, if you're a bull rider you're a roper you're whatever you're doing in the arena is awesome and that's the stars of the show but number two is, is a rodeo announcer well i appreciate that very much and i worked with bob tallman in reno a month ago and i had will rasmussen last weekend in salinas california great guys yep. great guys and and I, you know i don't know as much in the area of your expertise but you learn and you and you change and so all of my good stuff i stole from somebody else i can tell you that right now <laughs> but uh learning how to uh take the different aspects of what the greats ahead of me has done to become uh you know put on a higher level within communities and, and at locations like Clem McSpadden, Hadley Barrett, Zoop Dove, uh, Bill Kaler, guys that are gone now. They're mm -hmm. gone. But they were doing this 30, 40 years ago and getting 100 bucks a day and packing their speakers with them, you know. Yeah. So for those guys to kind of blaze the trail for us to do what we do today, uh, you learn from them and you understand why they did what they did and how they got to where, where they were at before they were done or retired or whatever the case may be. But I think to back up just a little bit, the thrill of the fight would be a, a big part of the program, which is why does a guy race motorcycles or, or speed boats, or why would a guy strap his rear end onto a XYZ kiloton rocket and get shot into space? The thrill of the game, I think, is what everybody looks at when they first get into it. The, the wildness, the speed, the, the thrill of the game. But then it evolves, and it is a young man's sport. So as you get older, and I was not very good at riding bucking horse. I was the best three-second rider around. <laughs> and if the rule would have been three, I'd have been great. But it's not. It's eight. But uh, I wanted to still stay in the game and stay around my buddies. And I've got the greatest job in the world. I just travel around and brag on my friends and brag on livestock. So it's a great job. Your medical bills are less. I'll I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot less trips to the urgent care. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, it takes still takes 10 minutes to get my neck warmed up every morning. So, yeah. Well, it occurred to me, and you know, I have a little bit of experience doing some PA work with hockey teams in, uh, you know, with the AHL in a sizable arena. But you're, if you do that, if you're, if you're the stadium announcer for a team, you're always in the same place. You're talking to the same fans about the same players. You're traveling from everywhere, from the southern tip of Florida to Alberta, Canada. How much do you have to change your game depending on the city you're in, the region you're in? Oh, you know, I, I learned, and I thought about this on the way down here because I, I th I'm thinking, I'm not sure I'm interesting enough to talk to these guys, but one of the things I learned about being prepared was watching Al Michaels. 
I was at a couple locations in Phoenix, Arizona when I was a young announcer trying to learn something and very much on the outskirts of the bull ridings that he was helping to announce. <clears throat> Excuse me, back in the day of bull riders only, BRO was one of the very first bull riding organizations that ever was. Al Michaels was the in-house and TV announcer for several of those spots. And he was so prepared that by the time we walked in to sit down, put on the headphones and do TV, if one thing changed, that guy could throw a fit like you've never seen before. Oh, boy. Because he was so intense on being prepared that, you know, for every hour of rodeo that we have, there's two hours of homework that goes into it. Oh, my God. What so, is that, like six-point font? There's a little uh, <laughs> little day sheet from last night. There's just, 14 colors on there, red ink, blue scribbles ink. Scribbles that, yeah. that, that are a system. Yeah. Two different colors of highlighter, a yeah. bunch of names scratched out. We had one one uh, seven-year-old not show up to ride a sheep yesterday, and it took Scott and I a collective 45 <laughs> seconds of blinking at one another go, well, what do we do? What I, do we do now? And somebody, yeah. somebody was over there like, all right, up next, rider, 52. And the guy's like, it's seven, stupid. <laughs> yep, that's exactly oh. what happened. Meanwhile, you're up there with a list of names that's got 200 names on it. And, and you butter right there. I mean, you mow right through that. Like, yeah, it's you know, it, it's like anything. Once you do something a thousand times, it gets easier. So uh, that, that's the key. Is but the uh, audience is you 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 have a system that is that then applies no matter where you are. Sure, absolutely. And and some places you go, your talent level is going to be through the roof, over the top, great. So it's a little easier to say, this guy is a world champion. He's done this and this. He's a national finals. And when the story's all said and done, the reason I'm telling you these things is because I want our fans to say, hmm, this guy must be pretty good. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should watch. Well, Maybe and, I should pay attention to this ride. And this is one of the weird things. Like, you know, I've had an opportunity to work with you uh, going back 2016, 2017, and then sit in the grandstands every year. And, um, my, you know, my family always, like, we got to have a night. Sure, you know, and so, sure. So I get to go up in the grandstands, change the shirt, long sleeves, 100 yeah. degrees in July. Put on some summer clothes. Yeah, grab a T-shirt. Yeah. And then sit. And and the way you do the thing, even working with you, it draw, it as a spectator, I feel like I know what's going on. And I couldn't know less about rodeo. I'm a farm kid, bailed sure. hay, drove tractors, sure. rode horses to, for riding horses, never competed, never thought about it, never gave it a moment, uh, you know, thought. And when you're watching, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. Because yeah, Wayne, just, he just made this easy to digest, even if you've never seen a moment of it. Well, thank, and, that, and that's the goal. And, and I'm sure you guys understand this 100%. It's a roller coaster ride. If you're up here trying to keep the crowd at a fevery pish pitch all night long it's not going to work you got to let them down so down the hill you go on the roller coaster and let them eat some popcorn and visit with their neighbor a little bit and pay attention to what they want to and then when it comes time ramp it back up to get that excitement level where it's at and i think over the years how they produce the rodeo and setting those events up as you know from standing right there next to me in the announcer stand and being in the grandstands it ramps up from those events that are the rough stock events to the timed events to the barrel racing and then the bulls. Those mm -hmm. are your two most exciting events right. from a fan uh, standpoint. So it ramps up there at the end. So hopefully when it's done, people walk out and they feel like they got to know some of those people, some of those guys and girls that are competing, and that it was so fun at the end, they say, let's go back tomorrow or next year. Let's do it again. That's hopefully where we want to get everybody by the time it's all said and done.
come back and see us again well it's worked with my kids (laughs) i'm not kidding every single year my my daughter was beside herself when we had the shutdowns right um right this is a bit she's just she's an animal person anyway she loves the horses and all that but sure she was like what do you mean we don't get to go i just assumed that you could get us into wherever i'm like oh no i'm not magic (laughs) (laughs) this will shock you sweetie but nobody gives a crap what i think about anything yeah come on Um, superman let's do and uh and and they love it and you're an enormous part of that um for those kids that every year well, no that you. your voice coming through the speakers if you're if you're just parking your car and you hear it out from the parking lot you're like ah, and you watch people i've seen it happen where you start talking and all of a sudden they pick up to that mall walker pace yeah. <laughs> like oh god it's starting and, and it's part of the signature with the rodeo here but it's also it also happens as, as i said with those other great announcers and with rodeos uh you know when i go to great falls and see the rodeo there i'm expecting to hear will and will is the part of that signature with that arena and if you walk in and it's different if the change happens, you're like, oh no! Like it's a, you got to get used to it. It's one of those aspects. Is they might as well change the the face of the shoots and the background and everything else because it's just part of the picture that you're fully expecting. Get and it returns every year, and, and it's such a cool thing to see. But uh, I was going to ask you about um, some of the, kind of the the benchmarks of of your career and how that felt because. Pinnacles as a rodeo announcer, there's the big ones, and you're going to do, you know, Calgary and and Cheyenne, and uh, of course the uh, the NFR and uh, Pendleton. Some of these, some of the 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 big name, the big time rodeos. What was it like to get the calls for those and to realize, wow, this I'm now going to do the Calgary Stampede or I'm now going to do the NFR. Golly, you know, it's just been a dream come true. Um, I am somewhat of a religious religious guy, and so I'm, I'm the first guy to say, man, I've been blessed. I've probably got the best summer run of anybody in the business. So uh, just super exciting to be involved. And I think I got Randy Corley's another name that I know you guys know that's mm-hmm. been around forever, and he's one of my heroes too. But he gave me probably the best advice I ever had, and it was my first pro rodeo that I ever worked, and I was standing next to him in Phoenix, Arizona. And he said, be a nice guy, do the best job you can possibly do, and you'll move ahead. And, I'm, and I, you know, I've got my pen out. I'm ready to write down this great super information right. highway that he's going to give me. I'm ready to write it down. And I'm thinking, well, that's terrible advice. <laughs> Turns out to be the best advice I've ever heard in my right. life. I was listening to it, I'm like, I'm one for two. Yeah. <laughs> well, well rode, rodeo is a sport where the 500 in- gets you in the Hall of Fame in MLB. <laughs> there uh, you go. When you're at the top of rodeo, when you're around the best in the world, as opposed to some other sports and uh, the humility is the rule as opposed to the exception and and you know there's some fantastic athletes there's some fantastic people around them uh and ego uh it happens but it's on a different level confidence is obviously there to me confidence and ego are two different things entirely yes but uh you know in the rodeo world it's more about humility you're gonna and it's much like i I say the same thing about country music uh if you ever run into a country music uh superstar who who is a jerk it's the exception yes it's not the rule and that's kind of the same thing with rodeo it just doesn't fly as well it doesn't go these are people who just look at you as a person and that's from top to bottom well, and I think the business itself and country music is a really good uh, avenue to, to compare it to because, boy, you go from the top of the mountain to the bottom like that very, very quickly. And starting out as a competitor, you realize how fast you can win one day and lose for the next nine or nine weeks or nine months. Very, very humbling sport. And, for example, uh, here at the rodeo last night, we had some cowboys that were ranked in the top 15 in the world 
out of the thousands of, there's 6,000 members in the PRCA Pro Rodeo Cowboys Association. These are guys ranked in the top 15 in the world, ready to advance on to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. We had a young high school champion from last year beat them all last night because it just happened to be his day. Mm-hmm. Will he do it next week or the next? I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, going from the top to the bottom just in the blink of an eye makes you humble. It's a very humbling sport. And so understanding that competition level that I was at 30 years ago, uh, I think it, it takes everybody in the business and makes them pretty much humble because if you're not, you reap what you sow. How do you manage life on the road? With all of the travel you got to do, you do a good deal of it by vehicle, uh, which I don't know if people would necessarily understand. I've seen your truck. I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> but you don't fly everywhere. So I, I imagine, um, you know, on the home front, you've got to have some good people around you when you're as busy and all over the place as you are. Absolutely. And I, and I do. You know, everybody's got to have a rock to lean on. And my family is that rock. And they take care of business when I'm not home. Uh, whatever it is, the bills or the animals or the place. You got them or... on the post hole digger, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could stay and help with the fence. I got to go to Helena. Got to get, did you see my fly rod somewhere? Because I need to pack that too. Yeah, great people behind me taking care of business. And uh, without them, I don't know what I'd do. But uh, typically I do fly quite a lot more. But this year, the prices of the airline tickets, the uncertainty of the airlines, the canceled flights has changed the world of travel. So, you know, I know when I get in that truck, I can turn the key and it's going to start. And I know what? I can get from point A to point B. What would happen if they canceled your flight? What oh. do they do? In the, what, what do they do if they get to Helena, Montana and there's no Wayne Brooks? Like, uh, you guys are going to have to get ready. You're going to have to fill in. This could happen. <laughs> That's how Scott oh, no. takes your job. This could happen. No, waiting not. for his moment. No. He's just waiting for you to blow out a knee and then he moves up in the depth chart. I did a nightly rodeo for a while in, uh, or a weekly rodeo in uh, in Edwards, Colorado. Sure. Uh, Eagle County Rodeo. And, sure. Uh, I had a, I had did it for a year, for a, uh, maybe two summers, and uh, it was a gr- it was great fun. I completely enjoyed it, but I also found out I am not Wayne Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I uh, try to travel at least 24 hours, if not 48 hours in advance, just in case that happens. Right. I've been stuck in a lot of airports, and especially in the wintertime, we go to some rodeos that are connected with their county or state fairs in Minot, North Dakota, Rapid City, South Dakota. Ugh. And so you're traveling through Denver and then Minneapolis to get to these smaller towns. Yeah. And holy cow, you know how the weather can be up there in the wintertime. It can blow in like that and stay for three days. I will tell you this. I had to drive through both South Dakota and North Dakota on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve a year and a half ago. I would take the flight delay over ever doing that again. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, I had to stay. At, I was in Bismarck, North Dakota on New Year's Eve, reconsidering a great many of my life's decisions at that moment. I'm like, I don't know if I should have gotten married. Uh, you, know, you kids, maybe that was a mistake. I don't know what it is, but I'm here now. When you arrive, terrible uh, happened. When you get to these places in these small towns, and you're you're a day or two ahead, do you have basically a host families? You have you have families that see you year after year. You come friends with or or do you say you're not sitting in a motel for two days doing nothing i know that oh no gosh it's it's busy and i like being busy in fact i appreciate you guys inviting me along for this program here because getting 30 seconds 90 seconds two minutes in the mornings is great but it's not as much fun as getting to know you guys like i have over the last however many years it's very kind of you to say even if you don't mean it yeah i do mean it (laughs) so there's those kind of people everywhere we go and uh that's a nice feeling. That's a nice feeling to have, you know, open arms, welcome back to town. We're glad you're here. 
and, you, and that's worth a lot. Do you get to recreate? Because I know you mention it every time you, you every time you come to Montana, you always ask about the rivers. You bet. Like, how's the water? You how's bet. the fishing? Um, I'm hoping that you get out and do some of that here. But do you have something like that? All of those these various places you go. Most of the places I do because, uh, as you know, getting into a hotel and sitting there for 24 hours is no fun. So yeah, I'm a museum guy. I'm a fishing guy. Uh, you know, checking out the ice fishing RVs in the Dakotas. Oh yeah. You crank the wheel down and they sit down on the ice yep. and then they open up the hole inside oh, the, the RV. Shack. Yeah, yeah great. And fish down through there. You know, just interesting things like that. Wherever you travel is different everywhere you go so he makes big fun of me for ice fishing oh shoot. I, love I love it i love it i love it i only hate it because i'm bad at it it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much everything i hate <laughs> having the heater on and the tv on and sitting in a nice rv makes a big difference <laughs> yeah i'll bet it would <laughs> oh when they when they roll out the hotels and i know like all of the ice fishing uh the the online community all of the ice fishing shows they're all uh southern uh like but south of winnipeg north of minneapolis right. they're all right up there right that whole cottage industry my son came out with me and we're on the four-wheeler i got the little pop-up right first you open it up and then it blows across the lake and you right. chase it like a lunatic and then uh, set up the pop-up and i made the mistake of watching one of these shows and he's like they've got the cameras oh yeah they've got yeah. the depth finders they're, they're playing a fishing video game in real time and he's like <laughs> We don't have any of that. Yeah. This is stupid. I Dad, was, I was what, cold. What's up? You Come brought on. me hot chocolate. He's got a hotel room. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> that guy's sponsored. Your dad's not. Yeah, different different things in different parts of the country are so interesting. And, and that's, I think, what helps us that talk for a living and, and do what we do. I don't know a lot about one in particular thing, but I know a little bit about everything. And so getting out of the hotel and, and being involved within a community and seeing what they do well seeing how they recreate seeing what they appreciate in life uh makes it worth it makes it worth it. and and again makes you appreciate different areas and different people for what they do what we think is cool in helena montana may not be cool in minot or san antonio texas or miami florida well it might not be in san antonio but it's still cool in minot <laughs> <laughs> they haven't got much else going for them i've been there <laughs> do you still have people that you uh you've known for a long time from montana for like you know from from billings and, and back in those days are there still people you see i don't i am horribly terrible at keeping track of people <laughs> horribly terrible and what i swear them. wayne and i crossed paths at some point back in the day you know back in and because we both graduated the same year from the same city and and i i hung out with with some rodeo people and and i swear at some point we had to cross paths. i know we did yeah. i know we did i can guarantee we did uh yeah you know i'm grandfathered in with a little bit of gray hair right here so i don't do any social media zero none i have none that's so smart that's people smart. go yeah, how can you smart. do that i can't believe you yeah. can do that well, that's why you're so happy. <laughs> exactly. That's why you always got a smile on your face. You're glad to see people because you haven't been watching them post pictures of their sandwiches and bitch right. about politics all day. Right, right. I think there's something to that. Oh, yep. boy. But, but the downside to that is losing track of a lot of people that uh, you haven't heard from in 20 years. And I've, I'm hanging around some people, and Bob Tallman, he's the king. I'm saying, hey, Susie, how you been? I hadn't seen you in two years. How's your mom, Judy? You know, exercising that part of your brain to try to remember who's who from where not just put those faces together in your brain but to remember those names and those details and i think that helps you used to have to remember phone numbers right right i still know the phone number to the hardware store that my mom was a manager at she's yeah. been she passed away almost 10 years ago yeah and i still know that number by heart yeah 
I can't tell you what my cell phone number is right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody's phone number. I don't use that part of my brain at all. Yep. I still uh, know the number of, uh, and this is an old rodeo announcer at the Quadrill in Billings. His name is Luke Logan. And I hung out with his son, John Logan, and I still know their number from, right. from the right. early 80s. So, yeah, it doesn't go away. Well, and that technology, too, has changed our business incredibly. You know, just like you've got your computer sitting in front of you, uh, we now have uh, statisticians that put that board right to my left-hand side so I can see who's up next, what their score was yesterday, right. what they need to be to win. I've got the leaderboard in front of me as well. Plus, the all of the activities that those great producers with the cameras can do nowadays – whether you're in hockey or baseball or football or rodeo, it's all available. Yep. Can you afford to do it? Can you get the right people into town? Can you get the professionals that do a great job? And here in particular is a place where uh, they do. They bring the best we've got. These are the same people that do the National Finals Rodeo in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. So they've got all the tools. Do we have, you know, 15, 20-foot screens? No, we've got two 16-foot screens. But that's good enough to still get the job done. So well, you it, mix in music. Our and, faces are down there. That's the best. You, you don't want to get any bigger yeah. than that. I don't need zoom that in, kind of help. Zoom no, in. Oh, boy. No. Zoom out. No. <laughs> I need to look like that center fielder from a league of their own. Yeah. I watched the broadcast of the uh, Calgary Stampede at one point, and uh, you were the voice. Uh, the production value of that rodeo over the top. And these are now... You know, I, I remember back when the rodeos, even even some of the, the bigger Montana rodeos, and uh, I did the Sheridan Wild Rodeo at one time. We did that like it was full play-by-play on the radio for three nights. And uh, some of them were a little more simple, and now it's become a big sports production. It's become a, a rock concert. It's become a, a much bigger show, and you have to adapt to what that is at each sure. location. Sure, I'm glad you brought up Calgary because uh, in the summertime there, there's – these things that are going on you may have events and weekends here where there's the the stock car races or there's this happening and there's the uh, whatever concerts um they're same kind of thing their summers are so, so short that they throw everything behind their events that they can so by the end of uh it's a 10-day rodeo but it you know encompasses 13 14 days it's a 540 million dollar economic impact wow so cbc canadian broadcasting they focus on that rodeo like nowhere else. They do as good a job or better than we've ever done here in the United States mm-hmm. as far as having a, a high-quality, high-def, great sound, uh, great broadcast, get the best you know announcers that they can for their television. And, uh, yeah, they try hard, and they do a great job there. But they're all also contracting with different people, so you have to work with different sound people. You have to work sure. with different acts sure. and know the deal with them every single time. Sure. And uh, I'm sure that that takes some homework and some a little bit of uh, pre-preparation that we're talking well, about. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. you got to do your homework. You guys will appreciate this, though. The first thing I do is go make friends with the sound guy if I'm in a new location. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've been in lots and lots of my places for 15 or 20 years, and so I already, I already know the guys. and. I'll bring him a bottle of whiskey or a can of, can of candy or whatever it takes just to make friends and kind of get to know him because I don't have the most powerful voice, but as you said, it's got a tone. So I need that technology behind me. I need them to push that volume up a little bit so they can hear me so I can talk normally and people will hear and feel that inflection in your voice. There's a lot of guys that do our game that you could hit their voice box with a hammer and never heard it. 
I'm not that way. So I need that technology. So those sound guys are crucial. And crucial. I uh, as, as a, a person in the audience, you don't understand that because what happens to us is we sit in here and talk like this and we're in a closed room. It's small. We're, we're broadcasters. But when we get into that big arena, I have a hard time just, you know, not overdoing it sure. and, and trusting the microphone because it's a whole different arena. You're looking at people that are 50 yards away as opposed to talking into a microphone that goes back in your headphones. And, and I find myself not doing what i normally do and then that's right. that's what they're where they make you sound good where that's you're right. able to just talk normally that's right well and that's why you see uh you know singers in front of seventy thousand people at a baseball game plug their ear and you guys are pretty dang good about that because there's slap back there's feedback mm-hmm. and there's a delay so <laughs> when is, i is, today 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 to, yeah, oh hi, yeah, hi, oh, hi. yeah. <laughs> so when you announce a first-time rodeo queen that just won her crown who's never spoke on a microphone like that in a big open area like that, they slow down. And so it sounds like they've got some, you know, mental problems because they'll <laughs> say, I'm really glad to it's, it's be hard. here today because right. they're hearing that slapback, that delay. Now, you brought up the support, and I'm a, I'm a college football nut. Yep. Uh, always have been. And watching what's going on with college football right now as the conferences are eating one another alive, looking for network dollars, trying to find um, media contracts that keep their sport viable. The NFL is the crown jewel. It's a license to print money. How how viable is rodeo moving forward? Like what can what can be done? What needs to be done? What is being done to make sure the sport continues to grow, continues to reach new audiences in an era when everybody? I mean, my son will bring out his Nintendo Switch. He's got an iPod and the television on all at once, and I got to right. yell at him to shut down two of three screens. Right, right. He's eleven. Right. You know, and he's got more tech in front of him than Buzz Aldrin did when he landed on the moon. Sure. How does how does rodeo compete in that environment? You know, it's the old adage of change with the times or get left behind, and so we have to. Uh, we're not the old circle the cars and turn the headlights on and buck a horse that they were 100 years ago. Thank goodness. But uh, using that technology, using the marketing, understanding ticket sales, uh, providing families an opportunity to come into Salinas last weekend for a family load of seven or eight people, parents and several kids, for 100 bucks. You know, changing how you approach the marketing aspect and changing the sport itself a little bit too, um, making sure that it's palatable making sure that our fans are getting what we want to feed them and and that they're enjoying it and if that means changing our industry as we move along we will because it's important however on the flip side of that coin we have events today that are 100 plus years old so that means in the 30s during the depression they were still going right so because of the people that have a passion i know i've used that word now four or five times here this afternoon having the people that volunteer their time that have a passion for what they do will ensure we're around another hundred years and that's what you know we asked dan mortensen the same question about the future rodeo i think it was the second podcast that we did with dan and asked him you know what's you know what's it like to see rodeos now to go there and what how do you feel the sport's looking and he talked about the people and he talked about the younger people and he said there's still plenty of rodeo people who are young who are smart who have a passion for the sport and who know how to navigate today and he goes and i trust fully in them in the future of rodeo sure sure we have several second and third generation young people that want to carry on the tradition want to do what dad and grandpa did we've got one right out here sitting in a chair in your Mm -hmm. office so you know getting the next generation 20 year old millennials or gen z people involved and excited and and be part of the program is huge and we've got a lot of it 
but I think benevolence is the key to success. Um, giving back to the communities does so good. And there's so many places where we, I am able to jump up on that soapbox and brag on that event to say, every time you buy a Coke or a box of popcorn, 90 cents of that dollar goes back into the community. Yes, we paid out $40 million, $45 million in pro rodeo last year overall. We also put about $40 million back in the communities all over North America. Scholarships, Boy Scouts, YMCA, Saddle Club, college rodeo teams, whatever. You know, thousands of nonprofit organizations benefit from our profits. How, how important is the rock star factor? Having having those guys because it occurs, like I'm a race fan. My dad was a race fan growing up, so I know some of the guys in Formula One or Indy or some of what would be fringe sports. Sure, you know, as opposed to the stick and ball games <clears throat> that dominate most of the television time. How important is that for rodeo to have a couple of guys out there that are on Mountain Dew commercials and mainstream personalities people know? So I'll answer this two ways. There's a small percentage of people, depending on where you go, that know the Dan Mortensons of the world, the Ty right. Murrays, and appreciate what they've done their accomplishments who they are and what they can do depending on if you're in odessa texas rapid city south dakota or helena montana that percentage will vary from 10 percent to 40 percent of who actually knows the players some places that we go it's 90 percent people that don't know and don't care right they just need warm bodies that's all they need so showing up having a nice cold beverage having a snack bringing the kids out, letting them run around and seeing people do what we do in our, in our business. Uh, we just want to see somebody get bucked off or have a 90 point ride. That's a factor that, that goes both ways. And again, depending on where you're at, uh, you know, in, in rapid city, South Dakota, it's in the wintertime. So it just depends on the weather. If it's too nice, they'll be home fixing fans. <laughs> but if it's 20 degrees below zero, every old rancher is sitting there with his arms crossed in that right. grandstands. I, I feel, you can have a ninety point ride, and they'll look at one another and go, "That was a pretty good ride." Yeah, I, I feel like there's a there's a right. missed opportunity though, because uh, you know the closest thing that I can I can come to rodeo that I've been a big part of is, is stock car racing, mm-hmm. and one of the things with stock car racing is. Uh, it's similar to rodeo in the aspect that on a given night a big name could show up. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you know they're going to, mm-hmm. um, but one thing that stock car racers do at all levels almost is is merchandise and they'll mm-hmm. sell it right out of their trailers mm-hmm. you know and i can easily see where uh, if you're wade sundell if you're if you're uh, one of these cowboys who has a little following you got a little fan sure. base you could sure. sell a few t-shirts to get you down the road get a little more gas money sure. Sure. so if you buck off but you know and i realize the timing aspect a lot of time they're out of there sure. and they're patrolling out for the next uh, event starts but there i i feel like that's almost been kind of an an underwhelming, and it goes back to a little bit of the humility aspect we talked about sure. before with these with these athletes. But I, I do, I'm surprised that that doesn't happen a little bit more often. Just on a local little, you know, Chris Ledoux used to sell tapes out of right. back of his, back of right. his truck. Just, so, just for gas money and yeah, buy some, yeah. Buy some but lunch. I mean, t-shirts yeah. with a yeah. logo. Because I'll see, I know guys in Great Falls, Montana, who only race in Great Falls, Montana, who have t-shirts and trading cards. Right. And and they right. make a few bucks off of those, and their fans come out of the stands, and they'll buy a few after each uh, each event. And and I think some of these guys, they have that ability. I I think you're right, and I think it's an untapped resource. We had the same conversation oh, a couple months ago with another guy that was talking about the same thing and wondering why it doesn't happen more in our business and i don't know i don't know what the answer is to that yeah i think it should i think it should too but going back to the star power thing a little bit the one caveat to that whole conversation and you can argue both sides of the fence is 
those big names, the world champs, the national finals guys and girls, they're the ones that deliver. Now, whether the person in the grandstands know who's, knows who Joe Blow is when I announce their name or not doesn't make right. a difference. That's the guy that can deliver a 90-point ride or a 7.5-second run in the tie-down open. So having that star power there is crucial so we have a good performance at night. Does the fan really necessarily care who they are? Probably not most of the time. I, I do find it surprising you walk around Helena, Montana and not see a Ty Erickson t-shirt. Right. You know, right. And there should be. And I think right. he deserves it, and I would love to see him. I might wear one myself. Uh, right. So right. I, I think that that's something that should happen. I agree with you 100%. All right, I'll call me... Ty when we get out of here. And all all right, there you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll be first. I'll buy the number one. Uh, there's another Here's another question in, in terms of growth of sport. As far as I can tell, just in my own, anecdotally, my own experience, uh, there are two kinds of people watching rodeo. They're the ones that are like, that son of a bleep is crazy. Right. right. And then there's somebody sitting in the stands going, I want to do that. Yeah. Now, I'm watching it going, nope. Yeah. Not never. I right. was raised. Not on, a chance. I was raised, I raised cattle. I showed <laughs> lambs in 4-H. I did all that stuff. Never wanted to ride one, ever. Uh, my son, on the other hand, every year, he was he was absolutely crestfallen this year. He's too old now to, to uh, do the mutton busting. Right. Because of the two years off of the mutton busting. I'm like, no, you're too, you're almost five and a half feet tall man right 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 they're little he's like right. well what about the next one up i'm like steers he's like yeah i want to ride one what do i do <laughs> put him on a steer like, now first of all i'd have to plug his mom's ears like, buy him know. a rope <laughs> would be a there good you idea go. that's, that's what idea. i did with my son and uh and yeah i mean because he, he's gonna he's gonna watch rodeo every year he's gonna see the bulls come out and he's like, i can do that i can do that you know yeah. at, at yeah. 102 pounds perfect you know do you, I, 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 I walk that line because it is something that, you know, he doesn't have to have a, a ranch background. Right. There are kids out there that compete, that that compete, that, that this is their sport. They like it. And he, no different than golf or tennis or anything else. And they got into it. And, and I look at him. I'm like, you can't do it. Maybe you could. Yeah, maybe you can. It's not my knees. Not my back. Yeah. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Which went right back to where we started this whole conversation was, uh, you know, why why did you get into it? How did you get into it? Why do you think you needed to be into it? Same deal. Yeah, it's accessible. It's doable. And uh, my son, on the flip side of the coin, was born when I was doing this job. So for the last 21 years, he's been around it all his life. He got on one sheet, said, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I don't want any part of it. So he got into high school, and I bought him a rope and a horse, and he started roping a little bit. So that worked out okay. But, uh, yeah, he got on one and said, that's done. I'm done. I don't want any part of that deal. Yeah, yeah that's the other dirty trick, by the way, that everybody tries to do because I've got uh, five and a half acres or so south of town that's already fenced. Whoever mm -hmm. had it before me had horses. Mm -hmm. And my daughter walks around the fairgrounds being reminded of this, like, you should have your dad get off his wallet, buy you a couple of horses. You could be out here. And then I got to listen to that for three weeks. Like, like, you need to go to college, and I'm not raising a horse for the next 30 years. All you got to do is just write a check for about 40 grand. You can do it. It's no problem. A year. They got to eat. Yeah. I'm surprised you have dodged it for as long as I, you Everybody have. told me that. Everybody. Yeah. They'd come out and see my place go, oh, you're getting horses. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not getting horses. And a daughter on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm either a really, really good parent or terrible. One or the other, like right? There's no middle ground where right. that's involved. Right. Um, what do you look forward to? What, what are you looking forward to You know, as you as you look ahead in the in the years to come? I'm sure you've got plans that don't involve post-hole diggers. Right, um, right. You know, what's, what's Wayne's five-year plan? You know, the post hole diggers are not that bad of a deal because after 255 days gone a year on the road, 
when I get home, I don't even leave the house. Is that how long you're out there, 255? Yeah, I know the gal that cuts my hair in our little town, and that's about it. You know, when I'm home, I don't leave. So people say, oh, hey, you know, get on a plane. Come on up here. We'll go fishing. We'll do that. No. No, no, no. When I go home, I stay home. I enjoy running the post hole diggers a little bit and building some fence and interacting with my family. And I don't hardly leave the house. I may take a drive, but that's about it. So uh, that downtime is, is a big deal. The travel at first, 30 years ago, was the funnest part of the deal. Now it's the hardest part. Getting from point A to point B is the hardest part. Once you get here, it's great. It's wonderful. Old friends, old family, old cohorts, old stomping grounds, old haunts. Uh, it's great to be in Helena, Montana. I've been here a long time. But when you get home, it's nice to be home too. So that, I guess, is in the future. Uh, however many more years I do this, whether it's 10 or 20 or whatever the number is, uh, appreciating what we have. And I think the pandemic created that in all of us. The ability to go out and buy whatever you want to buy, do whatever you want to do, eat whatever you want to eat. For so X amount of time in 2020 and 21, that was gone. Mm-hmm. Completely gone. So now that we have it back again, I think if you got to wait a little extra time for that burger or in line to get gas or pay another 100 bucks or 200 bucks for that airline ticket, it's okay. We can handle it because we appreciate it more today. For the record, I'm home 365 days a year, <laughs> and I still turn down everybody that calls me. I'm like, no, I'd rather just stay at it's home. true. <laughs> Scott makes fun of me all the time. He's like, you never go anywhere. Like, <laughs> I go to places that are even further away than my house. That's where I go. <laughs> Boring. Yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on my little mountain by myself with my family, and then when that's too much, I get away from them, and I go further up the mountain. <laughs> you came to the right place. Yeah, yeah. The reason I'm here. There you go. There you go. There's a reason. Well, Wayne, thank you so much. Um, you know, the guys on the Pivot uh, podcast that I listen to all the time, they mention it. I think it's very smart. The most valuable thing a person can give you is their time. And we certainly appreciate on a very busy weekend when you come to our town. I know they keep you running. So, thank you for having me. No, thank it's you It's a pleasure. So it's a pleasure. Every year. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever you found it. And we will be back in a week's time.